0: Okay, it is Monday, which means photo assignments, and in this video, I wanna talk about photo assignment number seven, which is going to be incorporating motion into photography. Now, photography is a still medium, unless you're dealing with video. I'm talking about still images, though. In fact, most of the history of art, if you go all the way back to cave drawing, up through paintings and sculpture and photography, most art, deals with the still image, nothing moves. Now, the exceptions to this would be the advancements in filmmaking and video work and then even incorporating electronics into sculptures, um, But largely on the whole, we're dealing with our intents and purposes here with photography and still photography as something that does not move. It represents a point in time. Now this can get conceptual and maybe that point in time gets abstracted a little bit, but that has to be implied within the composition. And that's what brings me to talking about motion in composition. This is something that has been requested a few times and I wanna talk about different ways that photographers through the history of photography have interpreted motion in still photography. And one of the most obvious examples this is to use a slow shutter speed when you shoot. Now, I've seen people do this with pinhole cameras that are handheld, and everything blurs out, and it really becomes abstracted, but it does create a sense of motion and drama and energy within the image. You could also take this a step further. You put your camera on a tripod, and anything that's not moving during that slow shutter speed will stay in focus, and then objects that are moving create a motion blur. This is most evident in a lot of famous photographs, particularly one of my favorite photographers, the work of Ernst Haas. He was one of the great colorists of our time, but also used motion as part of his composition. And these beautiful pictures that he did of horses, there's one of a bullfighter, and that was kind of one of his things that he did, was using that slower shutter speed to start bringing that energy into the picture. Now, a slow shutter speed is not the only way to do this. That's more of a technical representation of motion, but this can also be done with faster shutter speeds as well, ironically, with fairly early photographers. And I think a great example of this would be Jacques-Henri Lartigue, who I've talked about extensively as well. And Jacques-Henri Lartigue. one of the hallmarks to his style was bringing the unexpected, that moment of energy into the image. There was action involved. They crossed the line between being fine art images and snapshots in that sense. And so the way he illustrated motion was through gesture. Now he was very involved with sports and activities like that. And so a lot of times you see the gesture of skaters involved. One of my favorite pictures is this one, which is just the back of a person looking out over a pier and you see the water splashing up now the water is not really blurry you can see the droplets but what's interesting is if you've ever stood there and seen water splash you know that it goes down so it is implied moment of time with something that is caught in motion and it's a very different approach to just slowing down the shutter speed and there are other photographers that have done similar things, like Martin Munkacchi, for instance, who I think was really fabulous at this. The motion is implied by the gesture or the action or the activity that's going on. And one of my favorite images is this sports image that blows my mind that Martin Munkacchi took this using a handheld large format camera. So, I mean, he was really an incredible photographer, uh, especially early on. Another photographer who was influenced greatly by both Lartigue and Munkacchi was Richard Avedon. And he has interesting ways of illustrating motion in his work too. Sometimes it is with a motion blur, but other times that gesture, and I am keep coming back to the gesture because I think that is probably one of the single most important things that can imply motion. And even the great Henri Cartier-Bresson um, implied it this way as well. In the famous picture of the bicycle, the bicycle is blurring, but it's not over-accentuated. We see this as a leading line that's coming through a pretty complex composition in terms of geometry, but that motion is implied simply because we understand a bicycle and the motion that's in The motion blur that is here is certainly adding to that, but it is not dependent on that motion blur to create the action in that sequence. Also interesting are photographers who have approached motion from a scientific perspective. And a couple of these we've talked about recently. Edward Moybridge, who did photo sequences studying movement and motion of both humans and animals, would do multiple exposures. He had ways of tripping the camera to taking multiple pictures to study. So he was introducing that notion of time, and of course this led to later films. and the whole idea of using multiple exposures that would be played back in sequence, but his were still images and they were studies of this. Another photographer that I greatly admire was the work of Etienne Jules Marais, who was a French scientist and photographer who would rig up these custom cameras and strobe lights to study motion in birds. Did some beautiful images and some beautiful work with that. Another photographer who did a lot of work for Life Magazine using these motion studies, but using more advancing technology was an Albanian born photographer Jean Malie who did something very similar to what Moybridge and Etienne Jules Moret had built on and took it a step further using multiple exposures, multiple strobe lights, and some of the advances of technology that had come along during his time. He also worked closely with a scientist by the name of Harold Egerton, who shot some very famous iconic images using strobes and actually stopping motion at a point in time. The most famous being the bullet going through the apple, there's droplets, and there's some others as well. But these were from much more scientific perspective, and I think it's interesting to study these because these are very different ways and different techniques that you can use to imply motion within an image. We can use the actual motion blur, which certainly shows that something is moving. That's a tricky thing because at what point does it abstract beyond what we can recognize what is moving. Maybe that's the intent that we have. I don't know. The other interesting way of looking at that is how can you stop motion and still imply motion not using slower shutter speeds so in the case of a lot of these people it's through gesture it's through action it's through actually using strobe lights and multiple exposures but I also want to challenge this notion too and gesture is an important aspect of photography in fact I think it would be cool to do an entire photo assignment just on gesture because it can one image can be interpreted two different ways completely and I'll give you a case in point this is a famous image actually there's two of them here they're from the same photo shoot and this is obviously Gordon Parks and he worked closely with an author by the name of Ralph Ellison, who had a somewhat controversial novel called The Invisible Man. And there was a series that was done, um, there were actually two different ones that they had done, where they had done a, a shorter version of this that Gordon Parks would do photo illustrations for. And The Invisible Man deals with this guy who lives under the city and comes up and is able to observe. And it certainly deals with segregation that was happening at the time and some other very serious issues. But this is a very famous photo that was set up of the Invisible Man emerging from the manhole. Now Now, on the contact sheet, there there are actually many different pictures of this. And these two have become very famous. And in the one, you just see his head peeking up from the street looking up. In the second, you see the gesture of he actually is lifting the manhole and looking over his shoulder, and it's a much more composed, poetic kind of thing, whereas the first one seems more off the cuff, more improvisational. They have two completely different feels to them. For me personally, the second one where you see more gesture involved, the manhole coming up, the way his eyes are leading off of the composition, it implies more energy and more motion than the other one does. Now, neither one is right or wrong, but I'm just showing you that a simple change of gesture can drastically changed the composition. In Gordon Parks' case, these are both wonderful compositions, and these prints are both very famous, and one's not better than the other, but I'm just showing you the difference of just being able to use a simple gesture to imply motion. Finally, I want to talk about an example of a contemporary photographer who does this in a more conceptual manner. One of my favorite photographers uh, alive today is is Hiroshi Sugimoto, who is a Japanese-born photographer, spends half his year in Japan, half his year in New York, and he is amazing. He works in these large, projects and they involve a, 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 an in-depth exploration of the subject at hand. One of the more interesting ones that he's done, this is a few years old now, but it was a series on theaters where he would actually go in and shoot movie theaters. Now the concept behind this was introducing the whole element of time into the photograph. So what these were done is is you would go into the theater with the lights out and the photograph the exposure lasted the duration of the film. So over the course of an hour and a half, 2 hours whatever the film was, that ends up being completely white on the screen but then the ambient light in the room is lit from the movie that's being played and of course this is a very conceptual approach to this and certainly doesn't show you any motion directly in the picture because anything that has moved in here really has either gone completely to white or had an effect on the overall ambient lighting in the room but it's hard to detect literally but what we have seen in here is the introduction of time now this is a much more conceptual and heady approach and much more difficult to get into but I think it's interesting to show that maybe it's not motion directly but it's an implied motion that was there you're seeing evidence of that and so I I just think Sugimoto is brilliant and uh Maybe you agree, maybe you don't, because this isn't literal interpretation of motion, but I think it is definitely something that takes it to the next level in terms of concept. So anyway, this is the assignment, and I'm going to actually do this one along with you guys. I'm gonna figure out something that I wanna do with motion, and that'll be coming up. We'll be filming that in the next week, and we'll have two weeks to do this, and so um, I want you to start thinking about it now, and then we'll actually get into it a little more when I give you an example. People have requested that I do that. I did it for the last one. I will do it on this one as well. And uh, anyway, I'm really excited about this. If you guys have any questions or comments, please leave them below. And if you enjoyed this video, please remember to like it, share it, subscribe to The Art of Photography for more videos, and I will see you guys in the next one. Until then, later.